Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. You hear that sound? That's the sound of waves splashing against the rugged volcanic rocks that make up the Canary Islands. Situated along the northwestern coast of Africa, the Spanish archipelago has been home to eruptions and remnant ash that have given the islands a unique biosphere and microclimate. Welcome back to Point of Origin. On today's episode, we're talking wine in the Canary Islands with Whetstone Magazine contributor Monica Goya. Monica has a special connection to the Canary Islands as her mother grew up on the island of Tenerife. Yeah, so my mom grew up in uh, on Tenerife, and that's where half of my family still lives because she's the only one who left <laughs> and um so when i was when i was growing up i would go there every summer and also sometimes other school holidays like christmas and um my mom has a very special relations with the vineyards because when growing up my granddad worked she he had a job so my mom always talked with very, um, with with you know love about the vineyards and and that life of tending the land. And then when she moved to mainland Spain after she married, there were no vineyards here. So whenever we went, she would be very excited to visit uh, my uncle's. Uh, vineyards and to to see what he was doing and I feel that if my mom had been born later on maybe something that she might have pursued as a profession Mm. but of course there were no opportunities back then (laughs) Mm. she grew up during the Franco dictatorship so 
women were not as free as we are today to do what we please. I started to become interested in in wine somehow, in, in wine from there, because all my life I had this... Uh, my mom had been telling me about how the, the things they did uh, when they work. In 1971, a massive volcano erupted on La Palma, and the remnants of the ash imparted in the soil gave the smaller Canary Island a unique quality. The Canary Islands are seven main volcanic islands, plus a few smaller ones located in the Atlantic Ocean off the coast of Morocco. They are a tropical holiday spot for many Northern Europeans notoriously Brits, Germans, and Nordics as well. Um, the temperatures are mild year-round, rarely going above uh, 30 degrees Celsius, which is, I think, near 90 Fahrenheit in the summer or below 17 in winter. However, it's a land of contrasts, not only because of the changing landscape from arid plains to deep narrow valleys, black volcanic sand beaches, green forests or jagged mountains, but also because of the weather. There are dozens of microclimates within the same island. And um, this is due to the rugged nature of the islands and their greater elevations. For example, La Palma, which is one of the smaller islands. So this last volcano, erupted in, it was the last one um, to erupt in the archipelago. It's called the Teneguia Volcano and is located in the south of the island. So it's not far from where Victoria has her winery and some of her vineyards. La Palma, the, in terms of soil, is actually like two different islands because the north is geologically much older than the south. So in the north, the, the, the soil is rich in organic matter. You can find um, clay, for example. Whereas in the south, because it's, it's much younger, the soil is richer in minerals, but it's poorer in organic matter. Trade winds soften the hardness of the nearby Sahara desert climate. So the weather, in conclusion, is very nice. <laughs> with mm -hmm. almost 3,000 hours of sunshine per year. Wow. And one of the most famous crops from these islands are bananas, um, which are grown in six out of the seven islands, mostly in Tenerife and La Palma. Okay. And if you ask a person from mainland Spain for a characteristic food from the islands, they would very likely say platanos, which means bananas in Spanish, but they are different to the ones imported from South America that we get here in Europe. They mm. are smaller and sweeter, and they have also black dots on their skin. Let's talk about another important product of the Canary Islands, wine. Wine is actually very important there for the people who live there 
but I don't know if it's as well known outside the islands. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the culture of of wine, I mean, wine has been produced in the Canaries for over five hundred years, and it's even mentioned in some of Shakespeare's plays. But um, until very recently, it was not something that maybe people were necessarily proud of. Um, and now I think that's changing because there is a new generation of winemakers who who are doing amazing things with the grape varieties that are indigenous to the islands. And they have vines that are over 200 years old in some cases. Um, so I think, I mean, it's a sweet moment because things are improving massively. One of those new winemakers Monica refers to is Victoria Torres Peces. On the island of La Palma, Victoria tends to vines that are over 130 years old. The Torres Bodega is at Fuencaliente, which is at the very southern tip of La Palma, on that pure black volcanic ash. But the vine she cares for can be found all over the island, all ungrafted and consequently very old. So I met her when I when I went to La Palma. I had had her wines before. Mm-hmm. And last year when I visited La Palma, I contacted her and I asked her if I could visit. And um, I had read a bit about her and what she was doing. And it fascinated me that she embarked she embarked herself on this mission to to rescue old vineyards. And when you are a woman, maybe it's harder. So many, many of these wineries are still uh, led by men and they take the decisions. So having a woman approaching you uh, when you are, you know, a man maybe in your 70s or 80s and she tells you that she wants to look after your vineyards if you can no longer work, you need to be very brave to do that in a place uh, where, as I said, this is still, there are women, of course, but it's very men-dominated still. So she went to to complete her studies in uh, a, a different island. And when she went back in 2008, she started working with her dad. And she learned Mm -hmm. the tricks of the trade from him of course as a child i'm sure she spent a lot of time in the vineyards because that's how you grow up when you are there uh, with a family that works uh, the land Um, and also it's remarkable about victoria that she only had one day off when she was working with her dad and she used that one day off to go and work with a german couple who had organic vineyards in the north of the island. And the island is, La Palma is very abrupt, so there is no motorway. And she right. used that one day off instead of to rest, to just go and keep working even more in different vineyards. So that's, that shows a lot of determination and how willing she was to learn as much as she could. Victoria Torres is a fifth-generation winemaker taking over from her father, Juan Matias Torres, in 2014, 
who she had been working closely underneath to learn how to successfully operate the family business. This new generation of, of winemakers started to do things differently. They, they are not trying to compete with industrial wine from other parts of the country that is cheap because they don't have the means to do that cheap wine. In other parts, the terrain is flat and it's easy to use machines to produce the wine. Whereas here, I mean, on the islands, because of the nature of, of, the, of the islands, is most of the work is done by hand. So unless you do an artisan product, it's hard to sustain because you can ask people, you can ask for, um, I don't know, 20 euros for a bottle of wine, which is, which is not good quality, Mm-hmm. But you can either make cheap wine there because because as I said, many of the of the works in the vineyards have to be made by hand. So these people started to appreciate that the the quality of the grapes, na- native grapes that they have in the Canaries, and they started to to be proud of these of these grapes that not many people knew. And they started to work the vineyards using maybe like a sort of um, minimal intervention approach, if you like, so that it would show the the soil, it would show different things that maybe not many people did in the previous years. And Monica, I'm interested in the relationship between the return to indigenous grape varieties and the sort of conservation mindset as it relates to the soil. Um, In other words, do you think that there is a relationship between the movement to conserve indigenous grape variety and a movement to, let's say, uh, conserve the health of the soil as we see in natural wine? Do you think those are similarly aligned? I think they go together, at least in the cases of the of the winemakers I have met during mm-hmm. these years, they have a great interest in keeping tradition alive. They are rescuing some vineyards that um, because the average of the of the average age of wine growers is very high. It's over sixty years old, so some mm-hmm. of them can no longer work the land, and these people are appearing and just trying to to preserve that tradition and that heritage and in some cases they have found vineyards that had been abandoned basically and they are trying to recover them so it's also a matter of patience because maybe for three or four years they are working in these vineyards and not getting anything in return in the 15th century Canary Islands already had a well-established wine industry and a moniker of sorts to go with it, Canary Sack. Sack is an antiquated wine term referring to white fortified wine and possibly derivative of the Spanish saca, meaning to draw out, a method similar to the Solera system used in sherry production. The islands are part of Spain since the 15th century. 
um, and it was the French, Portuguese, and Spanish were the main invaders. Uh, so some some of the um, of the of the ways in which the grapes are grown, they have different influences, and some people say it was the Portuguese who brought uh, grapes. It was the Spanish. It's probably a mix of of the people who who first lived there after the conquest. So sometime in the 15th century, the French slash Portuguese um, most likely planted vines um, in the Canary Islands. Is that? I, I guess it was probably first in the 16th century because the, the conquest ended in 1496 tenerife was the last island to fall tenerife and la palma actually the first mm. ones were the most eastern islands and then also it is said that some of the vines planted in america were coming from the Canary Islands, because these islands became the first stop on the way to the New World. Um, what makes her wine most notable is the the farming, um, and we've talked a little bit about natural wine on the podcast about low intervention viticulture. So, can you tell us about what the different grape varieties are that she's growing, um, and also what the the characteristics of of the wines are? She grows uh, white. And, and red grapes the probably the most famous one in the in the whites is the malvasia aromatica which means aromatic malvasia and is is like the start but she grows other white varieties as well like listan blanco diego and albillo criollo and she has red grapes like um, Negramol, Listan Negro, or Listan Prieto. The white grapes in use at the Torres Peces domain are both familiar from the Canary Islands as a whole and also from southern Spain. These are Listan Blanco and Malvasia, and the main red variety is Negramol. There is also Listan Prieto, perhaps better known as a variety which has recently been revived in South America, where it is called País in Chile or Criolla in Argentina. As someone who's had some of these grapes, but not all of them, I think the Canary Island wines specifically have a very beautiful but kind of subtle aromatic quality. And I don't mean subtle um, in terms of what you can smell, but it's more like elegant. It's not like a lot of heavy fruit um, or it's not like super funky. It's more like, you know, sea notes, earth notes, mineral notes, uh, metal notes, saline. Are these, is this just like in terms of the the way that you would describe um, some of these grapes? Because these are, this isn't like, you know, obviously Chardonnay or Merlot or Cabernet mm. that many folks in the West are used to drinking. Um, so can you speak like on the... I don't know, just like the feeling of drinking some of these different wines. 
or the the taste, the impression that was left? I, I completely agree with what you said. But um, for example, one of, of my favorite wines from Victoria is one called Las Machuqueras. And mm-hmm. this, I was lucky enough to visit the, the plot with her. It was the first one we visited when I went. And it's a, it's a vineyard that has been in her family for five generations. So she is one that she loves. And I believe her dad made um, white wines with all the white grape varieties uh, that they had. But she started making a single uh, vineyard white wine mm-hmm. from this Machuqueras place. And it's 100% Listan Blanco grape. And mm. um, half of the vines are over a hundred years old, so I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's my imagination, but I, I think you can feel that resistance in the mm-hmm. in the wine, if that makes sense. And Definitely. it's it's elegant, and it has the minerality that volcanic wines often have, but and it's fresh and it's complex at the same time. So it's like mm-hmm. you could have that wine for a special occasion, but you could also have it on a normal day. It's just, you know, a wine that you can drink and 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 it has that because it's it's complex at mm. the at the same time that it's fresh. I, I think it's a keen observation because Listan Blanco and Listan Negro were my first um, introductions into wines from the Canary Islands. And the Listan Blanco in particular, what you say about the ability to enjoy it for a special occasion um, or on a normal day is so very true. I hadn't quite, I mean, I, I really love that about so many wines, right? Like that that feel that it could be dressed up or that feel really casual too. Or I guess clothes or anything for that matter. Uh, that's such a good quality, that kind of utility. Is there anything else um, that uh, yeah, we should I know think about? Maybe it's worth mentioning the um, Malvasia Aromatica Naturalmente Dulce, which mm-hmm. is naturally sweet aromatic Malvasia. Uh, it's a spectacular wine, but uh, it's not for every day because it's a sweet wine. So you are meant to have it in small doses. Um, and I, I tasted it last, last time I tasted it was during a wine fair in London earlier this year. And Vicky was there. And it's difficult to put into words the amount of layers of significance that the, the existence of this wine represents because, you know, the care the patience, the tradition. So she visits the vineyards for weeks, waiting for the exact moment when these Malvasia aromatica grapes are ready to be harvested. A harvest uh, that she does together with only one person. And she only makes this wine in exceptional vintages. So it's not a wine that she produces every year. And... I remember the honeyed taste, and even if it was a sweet wine, it had a very um, surprising or balance between sweetness and acidity. I'm not used to drink sweet wines, but that's what surprised me. And 
It's a funny anecdote. After this fair, I was outside talking to some other wine professionals. And I mean, they didn't know that I had met Vicky before or anything like that. They were talking about their favorite wines for the day after a whole day tasting wines from Spain. And four out of five had said that the wine that they were more surprised and amazed by was this Malvasia Aromatica that she makes. And mm-hmm. I thought I I really like that. Yeah, I I think it's so much harder to make an excellent sweet wine as opposed to making excellent dry wine because it's so much harder to find that that balance, you know. Well, I I know that I'm ready to visit the Canary Islands. It's a place that I've always wanted to go. Victoria Torres's wines, are they widely available? Or are they widely exported? They are widely exported. <laughs> so yeah. they are widely available elsewhere, but not so widely available on the island. <laughs> oh, don't you hate that? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I wasn't very... Uh, happy about that when I was there because I mean also for her because it's nice that people where you live appreciate or have access to what you are doing especially when it's remarkably different to other to to the wines that other people are making um mm-hmm. there but I mean you can find it but if you if you don't look for it it's, it's hard to come across it on the island. At Whetstone, our love of wine has been exhaustively chronicled and continues to be. But in our reporting, for sure, one of the most exciting trends we've seen on a global level is precisely this aforementioned intertwining relationship between the preservation of native grapes and natural wine production, which summons a hands-off viticultural and cellar management technique. Without much consideration, either could be viewed as a trend catering towards a growing consumer base of conscientious wine drinkers. But there is a real story underlying this about a revolution that is happening in the vineyards a revolution that matches the native grapes and its natural soil habitat, that refuses the pesticides or additions that serve at the whims of the winemaker instead of, let's say, the land or its traditions. If we are to have a future in agriculture on this planet, we would certainly benefit from more relationships between what grows natively above the ground and what is well-suited for the vital life force below it. We'd like to thank our guests today, Monica Goya and Victoria Torres-Peses. You can read Monica's full story in Whetstone Volume 6 or also on Instagram at Whetstone Magazine. We'd also like to thank our incredible podcast producer, Celine Glager. Celine, you are the best to our editor and Whetstone partner and director of video, David Alexander in London. Appreciate you, Dave. Thanks to our Whetstone production intern, Quentin LeBeau. And last but not least, my business partner, Mel Shi, who makes all things at Whetstone possible. 
Thank you, Mel. We'd also like to thank our partners in production at iHeartRadio, to Gabrielle Collins, our supervising producer, and executive producer, Christopher Hasiotis. We'll be back next week with more from the world of food worldwide. Point of Origin listeners, as you know, rating and reviewing our podcast is the very best way for more people to find out about our very important work at Whetstone. So please, if you're able, we would really appreciate a positive review and rating on Apple Podcast that will help others like yourself find out about Point of Origin. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You're at a place you just discovered. And being an American Express Platinum card member with Global Dining Access by Resi helped you score tickets to quite the dining experience. Okay, chef. You're looking at something you've never seen before, much less tasted. After your first bite, you say nothing because you're speechless. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your dining experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable.